Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. Continuing on with our series that Pastor Chad has started of stepping up and the whole idea that this year, um, I feel, I don't know if, if I'm the only one, but anybody kind of feel like, I know, again, I feel like I say this word, but like post-COVID, it's like there's like this slumbering and like this lethargy of like, oh, or you're getting back into things and, and you're just thinking this is way too much. But I feel like there's just a little bit more of a difficulty just getting up and going. And so 2023, we're just saying we are going to step up. We're going to step out. We are going to step into whatever God has in store for us. And we are going to do it. This is the year. Say to the person person next to you, this is your year. Say to the person on the other side, this is your year. Yes. Now point at yourself. Say, this is my year. You, you know, it's not one of those messages where you're like, hey, are you listening? This one's for you. Point at yourself. This one's for me. All right. So I want to tell you a story and you're probably going to be a little interested at the beginning of like, okay, what is the purpose of the story? But it's so, so good. So, um, this is a true story. So pastor Chad and I actually know the person. Um, but there was an evangelist, um, whose wife became very ill. She was actually a runner and she run, she ran all the time. She, um, would always be out on the streets running and all of a sudden she lost all of the energy that she had and she could barely walk. She could barely get out of bed. Um, and it was really tragic. She, the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with her. The naturopaths couldn't figure out what was wrong with her, but she couldn't do anything. Um, this tra- uh, evangelist actually traveled a lot. And so one day he was in an airport because he was traveling across the world and he was kind of in the food court and he met this man and he struck up a conversation and they had a great time. Well, found out that this man that he struck up a conversation with was actually the pilot of his flight. And so the pilot was like, hey, you know, I'm actually going back to my hometown. You know, if you don't have a place to stay, um, why don't you come over to my house and at least come and visit? And so the evangelist was like, sure, okay, that's awesome. And so he goes over to this house and he walks in the door. And as he walks in, all he sees is like rows and rows of pictures of families and couples all over the place. And probably in his mind, he was like, wow, he has a lot of family. So he's like, is is this all relatives? Is this all your family? And the gentleman and his wife who greeted him say, actually, no, these are the, the faces and the families of evangelists and ministers that we've had into our home. Um, and they're ones that I, the pilot says, they're the ones that I meet on the road and I invite them over and our ministry is to pray for them. And so we take a picture of them. We put them on our wall so that we remember to pray for them every single day. And this evangelist, he breaks down weeping and he tells him the story of his wife. And he realizes this is a God moment. This is not a coincidence. 
And so the evangelist um, gets prayed for by the pilot and by his wife, and he goes on his way. And he goes back to life. He does his conference, and he goes home. And every once in a while, he gets a phone call or an email from the pilot saying, how are you doing? Just checking in with you, letting, letting you know that we're praying for you. And then one day, he gets a text from the pilot. And the pilot says to the evangelist, you need to get your wife to put on her running shoes and to go for a run. And the, and the evangelist is like, I'll get her to try, but that's going to be very difficult. Okay, sure. So he calls his wife because he's off traveling somewhere else. And he says, sweetie, you need to put on your running shoes. You need to go for a walk. And she's like, I can't do that. You know that I can't do that. And he's like, you need to try. So she grabs her running shoes and, and can barely get the shoelaces undone. She tries to get her legs out of bed. She slowly, very slowly puts on her shoes. And she walks very slowly down the hallway to the front door. She opens the door and she steps outside and very, very, very slowly she starts to try to walk. Now she hasn't been outside in a really, really long time. And so just the breath of fresh air was amazing. But she starts to try to walk and every step that she put in front of the other, she starts to walk faster and faster and faster. And all of a sudden she started to jog and she starts weeping. And she calls her husband and she's like, honey, you have no idea what's going on right now, but I am running. And they both start to weep together and they start praising God and they call the pilot and they're like, you have no idea. This is what happened. And the pilot's like, God told me that. And I needed to tell you that she needed to put her running shoes on. And so you may ask, is, am I preaching about healing today? And no, I'm not. In, an incredible story about healing. And so if you need that story today, that's your testimony that God is a God who heals. But you might think that it's about her faith that she actually did what, you know, she obeyed what God had said. And it's not about that either. I want to zero in on the pilot. So the pilot had this incredible job. Can you imagine being a pilot of like one of those great big planes? Like that's a beast. That's, that is quite the certificate on your wall to be able to do that. But he knew that that was just his day job. As incredible of a job as it was, it was just his day job. His higher calling was to invite evangelists into his home and pray for them. And his day job, what he got paid for, was actually just the means to do the mission that God had given him. Isn't that incredible? You know who else this reminds me of? So I keep saying this all the time. I keep, I'm reading in the middle of this book series um, from Gene Edwards, and it's a biblical fiction through the New Testament. And my goodness, like I'm, I'm on fire more than I ever have. I love the New Testament now. And I used to be like, like an Old Testament junkie. Like if I needed to preach, I'd pick out like Noah or like Jonah, all of those awesome stories. But the New Testament is just coming to life. And this story reminds me of Priscilla and Aquila. Does anybody know? Know who they are? Amazing. And if you don't, you need to find out about them. There is not a book of the Bible written about them. But I would say, in my personal experience, just to have your name 
like recognized in the Bible is pretty good. There's actually a lot of like nameless people in the Bible and they're even pretty awesome just to get into the Bible. But Priscilla and Aquila actually got in the Bible like four different times, Acts 18, Romans 16, 1 Corinthians 16, 2 Timothy 4, and it all talks about them, but the Bible doesn't actually say too, too much about them. But still what we do know is they were pretty phenomenal. So here's what we do know about them. This couple was passionate. They loved God with all of their hearts. They had lived in Rome because Aquila was actually Jewish by birth. And so a lot of the Jews lived in Rome. But unfortunately, the Jews were being persecuted and they were banished from Rome by an edict from Claudius. And so because Aquila was um, Jewish, they had to leave. And so what ended up happening was a lot of the Jews ended up going to Corinth. And so they were kicked out and all of the Jews, or a lot of them, went to the city of Corinth. Um, We don't know much about Priscilla and Aquila, but we do know that they were able to buy a home. And that was a pretty big deal in that time because not a lot of them, and, and there were so many people coming in all at once that they must have been one of the first ones to get there. So at the same time, Paul was evangelizing the Gentiles, which was a big deal because Christianity, or it wasn't actually Christianity, religion really was for the Jews. They went to the synagogues, they went to the temples, but Paul was doing something radical and he was going in city by city and telling all the Gentiles, no, Jesus came for you too. Radical faith, radical times. And so he also didn't have anybody backing him up. He's with him and his buddy Silas. They're going from town to town. And Paul was a tent maker because that was the only way that he was able to continue living and do what he needed to do. And then if he actually grew a church, sometimes and sometimes not, the church would give him some money so that they could go on. And he would set them up and he'd move on to the next town to tell the next set of Gentiles, Jesus came for you too. He risked his whole life for this. And so Paul comes to Corinth and he meets Aquila and Priscilla. And Aquila and Priscilla come to him and I am sure that they have heard all about him because Priscilla was not Jewish. And to hear even rumblings that the fact that she could finally be recognized she, I'm sure she went to the synagogues anyways, but she could finally be recognized that Jesus had saved her and not just her husband. Big, big, big deal. So here's Priscilla, this passionate lover of God who's getting the best news of her life. She opens up her home to Paul because she had a home. So not only did they open up their home, but they actually opened up Aquila's tent making business to Paul. And again, another big deal, because back then, I'm sure if there's not too many tent makers in town, I'm in competition with you. Who's the new guy coming in who's gonna take my business from me, right? Like, don't take my business. I need to like pay the mortgage on my house. But Aquila opened up his business and said, why don't you come work with me? Like, Paul, you're awesome. Let me help fund you, fund the ministry, and I'm going to open up my business to you. Do you know what I love about this? Is that Aquila and Priscilla were intentional about using everything that God gave them for a greater mission than just kind of getting through life. This was just the means to the greater mission that God had put on them. It was to extend the kingdom of God. 
so passionate, so awesome. And I feel like that's the first step because instead of saying, I can't do what God, I feel like God has asked me to do until, right? Anybody ever said that? You know what? Like I had a prophetic word over my life and it's going to be awesome one day, right? Because this is kind of stinking right now. My life is kind of not where I would like it to be. What has God, where has God planted you right now? And the reason I'm really excited about preaching this because I didn't know fully what Pastor Chad was preaching on last week, but I knew kind of, he's like, what are you going to preach on? I'm like, I think Priscilla and Aquila. Really? Why? And I'm like, I don't know. God just told me them. And then I hear his sermon last week, and it was so much about the call of God on your life and the understanding that sometimes we need to leave everything behind when God calls us into full-time ministry. And I would say that that is a, a smaller chunk of, the, of, of our population But the bigger chunk of our population, God has planted you right where you are. And that doesn't mean that after last week's message, it's like, sweet, we will let them go for it and I'll cheer you on. God has a huge mission for you that actually doesn't have, that isn't just what you do nine to five, but it's the greater mission. And he wants to use everything that you have in your place. And so I feel like sometimes we're like, Again, I can't do that until I have, or I can't do that. Have you ever seen my house? Like nobody will fit in it. So I just want to talk to that just for a moment. Okay, so can you, do you think there were mansions in Bible times? I don't think so. Like when I envision Bible times, I think of like, again, and I, every time I preach, I say this, but I love The Chosen. And if you haven't watched The Chosen, every time I preach, I hope that you go and watch The Chosen. It's on YouTube and it's so good because again, it's biblical fiction, but there are scholars behind this. And so it is, it's so good. And so here are these people like gathering in these little wee homes, probably even in like sub rooms around the living room, cramming in just to hear the gospel. I don't think that they had a big house. And the fact that Aquila and Priscilla actually owned a house meant that they were rich. And so can I just say, if if you are in a house and you are not in a tent like the rest of the Jews were, you're rich whether you're renting or whether you own. We are rich. North America is rich. I dare ask you, have you went on a missions trip? Let's put things into perspective. Whether we have a big house or not, we are so rich and we have so much that God wants to use. Our perspective needs to shift to God. Everything I got, I can use it. And guess what? If you want God to give you more, we got to use what we got. But I'll talk about that later. And I'll back that one up for scripture. So, um, so Paul quickly learned something about Priscilla. Priscilla was a very, very educated woman. And she was very passionate. And she knew, even though she wasn't Jewish, she knew all about the Jewish customs. And she was so passionate that she actually had, like I said, the church meeting in her home regularly. And she basically became the pastor of them. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to go there or not, but I'm just going to go there. Okay, so just bear with me. I'm going to put a plug for women in ministry, okay? Just because I can, because I'm a woman in ministry. So, okay, so legit, okay, when Paul met them, It was Aquila and Priscilla. Paul got to know Priscilla, and this never happens 
in, in, in that day and age, it became Priscilla and Aquila because she became the lead of the, of the ministry in that, in that city. Isn't that cool? So God's so for women in ministry. Now, I'm not saying that for myself. I'm saying that for so many women in this room that there's nothing holding you back except for up here. And so God wants to use you. Amen? So um, Aquila, again, I'm just going to go back. Aquila being a very business tent maker of his time, like many business owners or workers today, he could have separated his work and his faith. Or often climbing the corporate ladder we people lose time for faith because business is booming right both aquila and, and both paul sorry and aquila knew one thing that their business was a gift from god to advance the kingdom of god it wasn't a monday through friday work a faith on the weekends kind of life it was a faith morning through night every day of the week and they took their faith Everywhere they went, whether to work or investing in their home with food to provide for Paul, Silas, or Timothy, or the church, they stewarded their time, their money, so they could be available to God and to give to evangelists the advancement in kingdom of God. So I was doing a little bit of research on marketplace ministry. Have any of you guys heard of marketplace ministry? It's not a, a word that we often hear about. Um, I will hear about that sometimes in in super charismatic places but mark if if nobody has heard about it this is awesome i want to introduce to you to the term marketplace ministry so there is full-time ministry over there and then i'm a pastor in my in my workplace and god has planted me to use it for for the kingdom of god okay so i went on a website and i'm just going to read to you and hopefully it's up there um marketplace ministry this is what a website specifically said about it. You and your faith are a package deal. Okay? Can we get it up there? Say, maybe it's not working. It's okay. Say, me and my faith are a package deal. When you show up, the business side of you is present, and the part that's committed to God is also in the room. In marketplace ministry, instead of hiding your faith, you live your faith for the world to see. Your business and ministry coexist so people can see what an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ looks like. The love of God is not your secret just for church on Sunday. God's love is designed for everyone to see and experience. People who go to church and people who don't. The idea that God doesn't care about your business is wrong. He cares about people. People go to work so he cares about your work. And that's not all he cares about. He cares about all of the aspects of your work. So we're going to look at a couple of things that God cares about within your work, okay? Oh, there it is. Awesome. Okay, he cares about how you handle money. Say, how I handle money. He cares about how you treat people. He cares about how you grow. Say, how I grow. He cares about multiplying what you have. Say, multiplying what I have. But I feel like one, two, and three have to happen before number four can happen, okay? So uh, let's go back to number one. So this is all, this is you, whether you work at Tim Hortons or Subway, I was a ceramic artist at one point. And, and I took that very seriously. Um, I loved it. Or whether you are the CEO of a business or you own your own online, okay? Um, 
God cares about all of this. This kind of covers you. So teenagers, if you work at Tim Hortons, this works for you too. He cares about how you um, handle money. Whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household. But he who hates bribes will live. Proverbs 15 to 27. Proverbs 13 to 11. Dishonest money dwindles away. But whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. One of the saddest things that I've ever seen and had to experience was a very, very, very dear um, mentor and man that I loved, a man of God, went to jail for fraud. And it was extremely traumatizing because I was very young in my faith. And I couldn't understand how this could have happened because he was such a man of God. I thought, wow, how does, how, how do you, how do you compartmentalize like what happens on, you know, Sunday and even how you're ministering to everybody and then what happens at work. But you know what? It's, it, it happens because the enemy is slippery and it's just one little thing. And that is a downhill. And we all think that nobody's looking, right? And we'll get away with it. That's what the enemy says. Nobody will know. And then the enemy stinks because all of a sudden he's like, everybody knows, right? He's the liar. And so the question is, are you honest with your money? If you work in Tim Hortons, do you take too many donuts? And they say you can have for free. Um, it starts young though. We laugh, but it's, it's completely true. Straight up. And here's the thing about the enemy. The enemy is a legalist. He just wants one thing to hook you with. And then he's like, I got you. And then he can use it against you. And so we need to be honest. Okay. Um, and what I love about this scripture is that says, um, dishonest money dwindles away. Um, have you ever felt like you're like, do I have holes in my pocket? Because my money just seems to disappear. And I'm not saying this is the case for everybody. Absolutely not. But if that is the case, I want to just challenge you, make sure that you are being honest in all areas of your life and honest with your money because it matters. Second Kings moving on says, uh, verse 12 to 15 or 12 chapter 12, verse 15 says they did not require, I love this. They did not require an accounting from those to whom they gave the money to pay the workers because they acted with complete honesty. Can you imagine having such a good business name that nobody even needs to do a, 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 a check on your credit because you're so known for being upright and honest? Can you imagine? That's your business. That's, they, that's you getting known as the best donut maker in Tim Hortons going, you need to hire a dude because he's the most honest person that I know. Psalms 37 verse 21 says, the wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. I'm going to talk about this later, but are you a generous with your money? Did you know that there is absolutely nothing worse than a cheap Christian? It's like the polar opposite of what we should be. We have access to like the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and like all the storehouses. And again, I will talk about this later. And we are cheap, really? Like do not go to Krabby Joe's after because we really like Krabby Joe's and my husband is a big tipper. Don't go there if you're not getting a tip big because they know that so far from what we know that 
They love, you know, getting our table because they know they're going to get a big tip. We as Christians should be generous. There's nothing worse than like you pinching everything. You know, maybe you have people working under you and you pinch everything out from them and and they're known as being cheap and then nobody wants to work for you. We should be generous, okay? Let's be generous, kingdom of God people. He cares, number two, about how you treat people. So Philippians 2 verse 4, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Philippians 2 verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Matthew 7 verse 12, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sounds up the law of the prophets. So I think that we should create a movement again at Bethel of wearing bracelets that say, what would Jesus do? Remember like, I don't know, you kids don't even understand what that is. I'm just aging myself, aren't I? I'm like, I don't know, was that the 90s? of like, what would Jesus do? I'm a Christian because I wear this bracelet. But seriously, if you wore a bracelet or you have a fish on the back of your car, which I actually can't ever, ever put on the back of my car because I'm not like a good driver. Anyways, um... <laughs> So we should have that on our wrist because when we go into work and we want to just lose it on someone or you want to gossip about your coworker or you want to belittle somebody who made an honest mistake, especially for the first time, maybe the 10th time, like don't lose it on them. Like you just need to have a good conversation. That's a respectful conversation, but um, don't belittle people. So you should be wearing this going, what would Jesus do? Because here's the thing. I, when I walk into my workplace, now I realize that I work in a really Christian place. Um, But when you walk into your workplace, you are very possibly the only picture in the flesh of Jesus to them. They may never have walked into a church before, and they actually might have a very, very poor um, idea of what Christians look like because of the last person they ran into. And so we need to be the physical representation of Christ to them. So how you treat them, Jesus cares about. Jesus cares a lot about that. How do you think that you're going to get them in these doors on family day, which you're going to invite them all, right? Um, How are you going to get them in here if you were a jerk? And I'm just going to say it just like that. Don't be a jerk. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be a jerk. Okay? Have the love of Christ in you. All right, number three. Everyone say number three. He cares how you grow. So 1 Timothy 4 verse 8. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. When I think about physical training or I think of educational training, I think both of them are so important. And I really love to visualize our beings as human beings, as triunal. We are body, we are soul, we are spirit. They all work together. We have to be healthy if one of them is out. I really do believe that all of us is out. I think we do need to be physically healthy so we can think. I think that we need to think right. And and I think we need to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves. But sometimes we've got these and then we forget the this. And so we're climbing the, the corporate ladder and we're getting all excited and we're getting caught up in it. And we're like, I'm doing really good. Are you doing really good? If these two are okay, but you're missing the spiritual aspect, God cares about how you are growing. Because again, 
if you are not getting this right, if you're lacking the spiritual growth, going back to number two and number one, how do you be nice to people if your spirit is lacking? And then all of a sudden you are so visionally focused on, on progress. And now all of a sudden you're getting in the way of my progress. Wait a second. And then actually, if I just had more money, I'd have more progress. And then I have a little bit of dis, you know, honest gain over here. And I'm being a bit of a jerk over here, but I'm so focused on where I'm going. Everybody and everything just needs to get out of the way. If you don't grow spiritually first, the other two are going to lack. And so we have to actually keep our spiritual growth as the primary importance or else we are gonna be lacking in the other two. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything. Say, even my work you do flows from it. All right, so... I've gotten the first, the first three, but this is where it gets really fun, okay? So now, if you're doing the first three good, you're being honest. You're, you're treating others well, and you've got God as first in your life. And, okay, you know, I'm going to add another one in there. You know what your mission is, and you've asked God, what do you want me to do beyond this work thing? What, like, what is, what is my mission? And you know what your mission is. God's going to give you number four. He cares about multiplying what you have. Okay, so bear with me, and then I'm going to bring this back in. So Deuteronomy 28, verse 12 says, The Lord will open for you his good storehouse, the heavens, the, to give rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hands. Say, work of my hands. Does that sound like work? Yes. And does that mean that you have to be a gardener or a farmer for God to bless you? No. All the, whatever you are putting your hand to, he wants to bless. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Isn't that an amazing scripture? We love hearing about God wanting to pour his storehouses out on us. And he wants to bless the work of our hands by opening up the storehouses. But there is a cause and a reaction that makes this work. So where else do we hear about storehouses? How about in Malachi 3 verse 10? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven to pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. He says, test me. Only place in the Bible where he says, test me. I want you to outgive me, God says, I dare you. Okay? Then 2 Corinthians says, nine, six, nine, chapter 9, verse 6 to 8 says, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have a, an abundance for all of my personal gain and pleasure. Does it say that? So that you have all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance to have more vacations, to have a bigger car, to have a bigger wardrobe. I would love that one. 
See, this is why it's different when girls get to preach. We just get to, like, I don't talk about sports, but I can talk about clothes and nails and stuff like that. Um, okay, let me read it again then. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. Stay with me. It's so good. Okay, here's the thing. So that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. That is not prosperity gospel, just so you know. If you were wondering if I was like bending to prosperity gospel, this is scripture. It's to every good deed. He will multiply. If you are doing good and you want to bless and you want to advance the kingdom of God and you want to take Jesus with you from the altar and don't just leave him at the altar and you want to bring him with you into your work so you can advance the kingdom of God and bless people's socks off, he will bless you but he can't keep blessing you if you're just gonna store it. He will keep blessing you if I am just a vessel and it's pouring out and it's pouring out and he's pouring in and I'm pouring out and he's pouring in and I'm pouring out. That's how it works, amen? Why am I talking about this with Marketplace Ministry? Because he wants to bless your business and he wants to, um, you to give of your time, he wants you to give of your money, of your resources, of your passion, of your prayers. And this isn't just for people who own businesses, I just wanna say. This is you know, for you at Tim Hortons. If you go in there with a mission and you're like, okay, I'm gonna give love to as many people as I can. Or you know what, I find it that somebody has you know, a need around me, I wanna bless them. I'm gonna give them, man, that hurts. I don't really have any money to give them, but I'm gonna give them because, because they're really hurting right now. And then God says, why don't I give you a promotion so that you make a little bit more money so that, so that you can do more of that. He's faithful, I'm gonna give him more. Oh, look at that, you're the manager now. You have more money to bring in more, more people so that you can mentor the people under you and you can bring the kingdom of God into that. Um, there's so many different ways. Do you know that we serve a creative God? A very creative God. I love the story at the beginning where he was a pilot and he just was like, I wanna meet as many people as I can and I'm gonna bring them into my home. I wanna show a video of, because I don't wanna pigeonhole any of you again, where you are like, well, that's good for them, but I don't feel like God's called me to that. God is a creative God and there are a lot of needs. Have you kind of noticed that we're in a financial crisis in Canada? Have you kind of noticed that there's more homeless than ever before? That there's more families who can't afford rent than ever before? That there are people in crisis? There are so many different ways that we can be a blessing. Um, I just wanted, this was the coolest video that I've ever seen. Um, and it was so unique. I just want to open your mind to creative ways that God wants to use us with the resources that we have. So can we just cue up this video? Hello, I'm Sharon Montgomery, president and owner of Bestwell Incorporated, a local welding company that repairs steel material handling racks and containers for automotive manufacturers. So they're very expensive containers and we do a service to our customers by repairing them, putting them back in the logistics flow so they don't have to buy new ones. I would like you to meet Dr. Terry Carroll and Jesse Cochran. Terry is 
our operations manager and previous owner. And Jesse is one of the welders, and I'll let him tell you his story. People really don't care much about what your background is if you're a welder. What they want to know is can you make a good, strong, good-looking weld? And that was what's important. The older I've gotten, I'm getting my priorities straight. I'm staying sober, I'm doing school, uh, things like that. When I was president of another company, I was talking to a young man and uh, he said that he had been imprisoned for three times for drug dealing. And he just stopped me with his conversation. He said, I have a wife and kids. I try to find a job. Nobody's gonna hire a drug dealer. After trying for a while, I've still got to take care of my family. So I go back to doing what I have been doing. It was something that probably somebody should be doing to take care of that problem. And I decided I would might as well be the one to do it. Honestly, had I known about how things are working uh, with Best Weld now, had I known about this years ago, I probably would have been in better standing. Uh, just period. When I retired from the big companies, I bought Best Weld. So what we've done is we've tried to specialize in hiring felons, people who were in jail, who were on work release, or have just gotten out, or just trying to get their life back together. Honestly, for me, it's like how much I've screwed up. I've burned out a lot of different resources, different little networks that I could have like made a life for myself. When I found myself working here, I had a company that was willing to take on all of my baggage and say, we understand. You're a human just like everybody else. If you can weld, then you can weld. And so, like, for the first time at 32 years old, it's like, are you telling me I have a relatively healthy environment to work at? And so it's like, I'll be honest, I'll be the first one to admit, like, I've spent a lot of time not being a man. And so now it's like, it's cool. Here's the job. Go to the job, Jesse. Do the thing, and it all will work out. And I'm here at 32 going, oh. That's all you have to do, is just do it right. Go to school, do your school. You gotta go to counseling, go to counseling. Do it. They understand, and they're here to actually see me stand up straight and be a human. With a certified welder certificate and a good work record, they can go out and get a job almost anywhere. So that, that's really what we're trying to do. And we repair these baskets. That's part of our training program. Here's a program. And uh, this is the healthiest I've ever been in a long time. Mother Teresa says, it's not how much we give but how much love we put into our giving. Isn't that a phenomenal story? A phenomenal story of how somebody got creative and he had something in his hands and he's like, hey, 
I can use this to bless somebody. And so when you stand to your feet, we're just gonna close. I just wanna bless you with creativity. And I wanna pray that God would just open your, your eyes to where you are. And I even just wanna speak into this. You may not like where you are. You may be like, actually, I'm trying everything in my power to get away from where I am right now, but I don't know why I'm still here. And God's saying, I, just, I will use you until I transition you out. But ask God how he wants to use you. So close your eyes. Father God, I just pray just an abundance of our creative God to release creativity in the marketplace and in their businesses or work or wherever they are, whether home or business. God, I pray that everybody here would have an awareness of how you have called them to a higher calling and a mission beyond what they do from nine to five. And God, that they would not leave Jesus at the altar or at their Bible beside their bed, but that they would bring you into work with them, that they would learn how to witness to others through their life, through their love, and then with their, with their voice. God, how to honor you with their money, with being straight up. And God, I pray that they would even begin to test you and test you in how much they can outgive you. And God, I thank you that you actually challenge us to test you in this, that we would be generous kingdom of God people who are not living for ourselves. We're not takers, we're givers. God, I pray that we would be a body of Christ that are givers, not takers, because we are not victims. We are overcomers. We have everything that we need. We have access to everything that we need. And you might be waiting there, God, ready to pour out your blessings, but you're just needing them to pour out a blessing first in a step of faith. And so, God, I'm asking that you would just give us boldness and you would open our eyes to opportunities that we might even have this week, or maybe we've even had, but we didn't see that was right in front of us. God, I pray that people would begin to see how generous you are with us, how much you've forgiven us of, how gracious you've been with us, and help us to give that same generosity and graciousness away to others. In Jesus' name, and everyone says, amen. Be blessed and have the best day ever. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.